Unorthodox listeners, this is Mark. Uh, we have a special episode this week. We teamed up with John McWhorter, the great linguist and the author of Talking Back, Talking Black, uh, to do a special joint episode. Um, we went into his studio for his podcast, Lexicon Valley. And, well, give it a listen. We were talking about language and words and Jews. And the important thing is that um, if you don't know his podcast yet, um, not only will you enjoy it with us as the guests this week, but then you really have to go subscribe. And Lexicon Valley is available at Panoply. So you can go to panoply.fm. It has its own website. And of course, it's available on iTunes. Uh, You also have to buy all of John McWhorter's books. He's totally one of the great writers on linguistics and and we're all we're all a big fan right and pay fifty thousand dollars to go hear him at columbia where he teaches oh yeah you could do that too it's the whole experience <laughs> the whole yeah, john mccorder yeah <laughs> the whole john mccorder experience pay lots of money to hear him teach at columbia um buy his books on amazon That's or right. at the indie bookstore near you uh but definitely you know it's free his podcast, Lexicon Valley. So here are um, all of us and all of him doing a special joint unorthodox Lexicon Valley episode. Have a listen. Welcome again to Lexicon Valley, Slate's podcast about language or language and linguistics, because I teach linguistics at Columbia and I like to say that word. In any case, I'm John McWhorter. And this week, it's going to be like, um, remember how in the 70s when a sitcom was failing, they would bring it together with some other sitcom and so different strokes and Hello, Larry would get together and Arnold and whoever the young... Anyway, so that was the sort of thing that would happen. You'd have that kind of very special episode. This is a very special episode of Lexicon Valley, except Lexicon Valley, at least in my opinion, is not failing and either is the wonderful podcast Unorthodox. But I've got the Unorthodox hosts up in here with me and we're going to do a joint show about Jewish language. Who do I mean? Well... We have Mark Oppenheimer. Hi, Mark. Hi. I like to think of it as Family Ties Goes to England. For example. For example, yeah. Although, did they meet the cast of some other show while they were there? No, no, no. They brought in, you know, a street urchin. They got another baby, and then they went (laughs) to England. And that's how they staved off. Who fell in love? Because by then, I had stopped watching. I think Mallory had a a liaison. Oh, Mallory. In Oxford, yeah. Yeah. So this is Family Ties in England. (laughs) Some fellow. And also, as we just heard, I'm Leo Leibovitz. Welcome to the show. I prefer to think of it as The Love Boat, which is my absolute favorite show growing up. <laughs> Didn't they get together with fans? This they is... got together with everyone. <laughs> they sent on, someone on, to Congress. On that, on that break in Puerto Vallarta, they got together with whoever would get together with them. You know what show doesn't hold up if you watch it again today? <laughs> the Love Boat, actually. <laughs> and also, Stephanie Butnick, thank you for being here. I think of this as the Mindy Project crossing over with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That would be cool. And actually, wait... That, that happened. That that happened. That's yeah. right. I remember. Yeah. I saw I saw that episode. That's right. Those are two shows that everybody should watch more, especially The Mindy Project. It's failing unsupportably. In any case, our topic today is it kind of ties into the fact that I've touched on there being a black English now and then. And my thesis has been that, yes, there is a such thing. But is there a such thing? And this would be of interest, of course, to the unorthodox crew. Is there a such thing as Jewish English. And if there is, what is it? And if there isn't, why not? I could not not kick this off with the following clip, which I know you're all thinking about. So let's hear this here as as an introductory nugget as to what Jewish English might be. It's Mother's Day and my daughter Robin did not show up. She's getting married and this year she's visiting his mother. 
So now I'm sitting here, Elaine Vierstein, alone like a dog. <laughs> Thanks a lot, and out with the garbage. They take bows, and you're batting zero. I had a dream. <laughs> I dreamed it for you, Robin. <laughs> now I'm getting a little verklempt. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. So the question becomes, folks, is there a Jewish way of talking? You brought on us three Jews to tell you that? Yes, yeah, so I did, because it's cultural like appropriation. Jewish, there are probably right. several. You know, the one we talk and the others we would never dream of talking. Right? I mean, one of them? let me take that one just to start with. Mike Myers, who, of course, isn't Jewish, based that character on his ex-mother-in-law. He has since mm-hmm. left his wife. But at the time, it was based, we, we on, in, it was right. based on Robin's mother. Mm-hmm. And Ro- Robin was a Jewess. And what's interesting is that, to me, is a Jewish accent of a particular generation. Um, yeah, nobody talks like that anymore. Talks, no young except person. to like to tell a story like their parents would. So it's right. an affect, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was also fairly indistinguishable from the New York accent of that generation, which you've talked about on your show and which mm-hmm. also has sort of gone away. I think it lives on. And Stephanie, tell me if you agree with me here. It lives I'm the on, young one. <laughs> <laughs> You're also one who grew up on Long Island. So oh, it's true. Well, I have a whole different host of issues. You, you are special. authentic. It's you have an honor wisdom. to meet you. But it lives on in Orthodox communities. There is definitely an Orthodox speak that if you get to communities that are a little bit more insular and a little bit less affected by popular culture, that if you heard someone talking like that, I would say that's someone coming out of a modern Orthodox enclave. There are still people who sound like real life Linda Richmond's. In the Orthodox community? The Orthodox community that went to yeshiva will speak this wonderful this language yeshivish. called yeshivish. Right. Which actually doesn't sound so much like this, but is has a lot of that code switching thing going on. It's less accent and it's more like this thing that I'm telling you about. Like there's almost this Talmudic. It's stu- a rhythm. Like, it's basically a text-based yes. language. And they talk that into- way while they're giving you a cup of tea. Yeah. So if you go to a lecture by sort of like a modern Orthodox or an Orthodox professor, there's sort of this this cadence that has almost a textual metabolism in some way. And they'll right. say things in, in what sounds to you like English, you know, hey, uh, if you think about praying today, just remember it's Mamash Isser to Davin Chacharis after Chatzot. And you'll be like, what? <laughs> so in other words, there's this language, this yeshivish language there is. that is spoken. I think we need to hear this in order to get a sense. I happen to have a clip of yeshivish being sung by a few vibrant young men. And so let's hear this. Got a call on my cell, shotguns on the line. The Kesha to a maidle who is able, sweet and fine. I told him it's not Shaykh, though I'd really like to meet her. Call me back on to Bishvat when I'm out of the freezer. So that is Yeshivish. Yeah. Yeah. What is to Bishvat? Arbor Day. <laughs> yeah, it's Jewish, Jewish tree holiday. Oh, it's a tree? Yeah. Do you know there was a Charlie Brown special called It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown? I just thought that should be gotten in there. Anyway, so that's what Tuba Shvat is? Yeah. And, okay. And so that mix of English with Yiddish words, Yiddish or Hebrew words dropped in there. So, for example, he says the Shadchan's on the line. Shadchan's a matchmaker, right? So you will hear that mix from people who are deep in the the ultra-Orthodox community of yeshiva learning, but that's almost pre-Linda Richmond. Like, that is almost reminiscent of, like, what the great-grandparents talked like. And Linda right. Richmond comes out of, like, secular Bronx or Long, I- Long Island That person. Talk. Yeah. Right. What is out of the freezer that he says? 
Yes. So this is one of the most amazing <laughs> things. There are a lot of expressions in yeshivish that make zero sense to speakers of English, like out of the freezer, or this doesn't ring true. It's like, ring true? Well, yeah, it's Klingon. It's from Yiddish. These are direct translations from Yiddish, and there are about right. like a hundred of those. Right. And you just have to know yep. what and, they and, mean. And retranslate in your mind as you're speaking or listening back to the original Yiddish. Oh, yeah, I know what that means. It's also like how people say, I stayed by you. That mm-hmm. means I stayed with you. Right. That's from German. I don't know if this is from Yiddish or if this is even a Jewish thing. I don't know from that or I know from, I know from Hala. Like that right. to me is such a Jewish thing. I have, I don't know. I think all sorts of Jews say it. I guess mostly an older generation, but, but then people I don't know from, our, from that. But people from our generation will say it too slightly ironically, but then they'll oh, yeah, say that's, it. I say it ironically. You know, though. like, well, she doesn't know from Good Deli. And, but, <laughs> right. and that one, and that one is very American, but you're right. There's a couple that come out of German syntax by way of Yiddish. So Stephanie right. pointed out, I stayed by them for Shabbos. But right. another one is, you want that I should go with you? You want that I should. That's coming out of German syntax. Would any of the three of you say that? Yes, definitely. Would any of the three of you say you want that I should go with you? Who would say that? Oh, Mark, today. (laughs) Absolutely, Mark. To girls. Do you want that that we should go on a date? That's what I said to my wife. You want that we should get married? Would any of my Orthodox Um, Jewish students at Columbia say that? I think if you came out of an Orthodox neighborhood. But not if you're in a contemporary environment. I feel like you want that I should. That seems like how your parents talk to you or how okay. you say something in the house. Right. I mean, I'll say things like, I know from Jewish podcasts. Like, I'll say that because <laughs> that sentence seems so right. I would never say that in – I mean, I've, I've sort of started slipping it in almost accidentally at this point, And I'm just th- – Do you say funny. it with a straight face or is it affective? Affective, yeah. So definitely. you're basically saying American in the streets, Yiddish in the sheets. Exactly. Type, type. Yes. <laughs> I remember once I was reading a profile in the New Yorker. I think of William Julius Wilson, the black scholar at, at Harvard. I can't wait to see right? how this is going to tie and, in with. And somebody was talking about him, one of his black friends, and they were talking about how how he was so Ivy League, right? He had been right. to Chicago, then he was at Harvard. And one of his black friends was quoted as saying, "Well, you know, behind closed doors, he's a real get down brother linguistically. He could do black talk, but it literally." He can switch. He can switch, but it literally was only when the door was closed and right. he was like. Six Molsons in, and right. you know, I'm no doubt getting this a little bit wrong, but my memory was they is were saying, this the analogy here? It's not then? that just that he switches, but he switches literally when the door is closed. And right. I think there are certain things, like I think at Columbia Hillel, after the fifth post Shabbos dinner shot of Slivovitz, you might hear some. Right. You want that I should go to the bar with you after yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> right. When the mics are off, I go full Gal Gadot. But podcast, not to be talking the English like I do right now. We are going to get to Gal Gadot. But then there are things like, would it kill you to call your mother? Like phrases that actually have been right. adopted that I have no idea where. I, I mean, I can imagine where that one came from. But that from. signal Jewishness. Yeah, yeah, would it kill you too? Probably the Holocaust, well, I would say. <laughs> Is that the first Holocaust joke on this podcast, John? It's probably the, the first time, given that I'm not usually, you know. Or even like, of... it would have been enough. It, it would have been enough. Like, that's oh, obviously Dianu, a Jewish that's right. word, but that's almost, right. uh, I mean, that's a punchline at this point. Like, oh, Dianu. Like, right. He, Got into Harvard and Yale. I don't know why I'm doing that voice that right now. <laughs> you keep on mentioning that voice. That corresponds to something in the world. I don't know anyone who talks like that. That's the weirdest <laughs> thing. That Dianu song, by the way, is my favorite of, if I may, you people's songs. That Di, Dianu. Oh, that one catchy. is that when I married my wife, who is a Jewish person, a Jewess, as you put it. I don't like Mark. Jewess. <laughs> yeah, There's a great debate going on on our podcast. Negress, Jewish, aren't those well, both how wrong? Do you, how do you feel about Negress? Only very. 
very ironically. But I how do you assume. feel about Negro? Are you bringing back Negro like Stanley Crouch was? Arbi- like- arbitrarily, Negro is obsolete, and to some people, insulting. Stanley Crouch likes to use it with a certain aggressive irony. But you, there's no room for Negress. Not at all. If anything, it conveys something on a poster about an escaped slave. So or something I, like that. I understand that, but we at Unorthodox are bringing back no, Ju- we Jewess. Are not. That true? You are bringing one, it back one, one every time. Is. I have to say, as the Jewess in the room, there's because there's back. there's Jewess, there's Jewess. Like there's yeah. all sorts of ways of saying it. To me, it just conjures this like Nazi-laden, stereotype-filled thing. I but think then there my are, wife would feel that. But way. then there are young women who are like, yeah, I'm a proud, right. badass Jewess. To, to be and clear, like, they, Jewess, Jewess, that pronunciation. Right. Not Jewess. Right. To be clear, like, right. yeah. the blog of the Jewish Women's Archive in Boston is called Jewesses with Attitude. Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamou, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Why are you guys not mentioning the words, though? Because for me, Jewish language has been all these words that my wife and her family pop up with, like punum for face and being on spilkas mm-hmm. and all those, which to me are a collection because I find them exotic. And I get upset that I never seem to know them all. Aren't those part of it or are those now seen as something kind of antique? To me, those are seen. Kishkas. Yeah, like. My fiance does say spilkis, like he gets spilkis before flights. And I yeah. had never even heard that yeah, word. I, I didn't hear. What oh, is spilkis? Spilkis is like, yeah, like you're, you're nervous. Yeah. Needles, right. Okay. Like I had shoulder surgery right now. I'm even feeling some spilkas in my hand. That's right. See, he uses this it differently. And I think in the version that has evolved to be in, I mean, like. He angst. means all, on pins and yeah, needles. Like right. That's how it's usually feeling used. nervous. Right. See, I think you're also seeing here the, the kind of differences in shading between yeah. us because in my family, Ordinarily, we would say, oh, I'm feeling for a clamp today. You know, go ahead and go to. You, you know, would say to the, that. Oh, totally. Yeah. I have a little bit of spilka. So I go look at your punim or your kepi. I, 100%. What's kepi? Head. Head. Oh, you, From kepi. Mm-hmm. Right. From kopf. So, I, right. I think every family has a different collection of ones that have persisted. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. In my family, kepi was very, I mean, my mother w- would absolutely. And, and I come from a, several generations of secular Jews with, you know, affection for for Yiddish and socialist politics, but no religion, right? And I brought the religion back, much to everyone's chagrin. But Kepi was never went away, and Tochas never mm-hmm. went away. Totally. But they didn't, for example, say Punim. And I say that to my kids, which is mm-hmm. interesting. And I, I read an article recently that actually some words have come back. So, for example, everyone knows what it means to go to shul now, which is to go to synagogue. Highly American Jews of any of any tradition, people who don't have a lot of Yiddish in their vernacular, say, where do they go to shul on right. Saturday? Yeah. And 30 years yeah. ago, I didn't know 
anybody. Which who brings said us that. to another point of discussion that we had on on the show when we were talking about what you referred to as you know do you call it a shul, a temple, or a synagogue? Also, the matter of what you wish each other on a holiday. Do you say happy holiday or a gidden yontif in Yiddish or chag sameach in Hebrew? It's or Shabbat Shalom or, or Shabbat Good Shalom. Shabbos. That's right. And that, to me, depending on what you say, it, it sort of signals where you are on the religious spectrum. Why do I hear Chag Sameach thrown around more than the Yuntuf one? Because Yuntuf, to me, is interesting because it's Yom Tov and it's Yiddishy, etc. That, I, who cares about the I in this case? I can grab onto that. Chag Sameach, to me, well, that's Hebrew and it's it's higher and it's more distant. But that's what I hear out on the streets. Why? Because people are virtue signaling. Because, <laughs> Not because, a popular because, opinion. Because Israel, because yeah. Hebrew school teachers and summer camp counselors over 30 and 40 years have, have come from Israel. Okay. And so they've reinfused the language with, with modern Hebrew. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, I went to Hebrew school and yeah, it was Hag Sameach, Yom Huladet, Sameach. Like we sang the Hebrew, like we sang all that stuff and we said Shabbat Shalom, like right. Shabbat Shalom. Hey, like that's a, like a familiar thing. <laughs> I found that people on the more, typically people on the more religious end of the spectrum would say, good Shabbos or Again, Yontev, like, but now I think there is a rise in young people bringing that back in an interesting way. This Yiddish revival that I keep hearing about, because of course the word on this metaphorical street used to be that Yiddish is a dying language, even though tens of thousands of children at any given time are being raised in the language in the United States. And yet it's supposedly a dying language because it's no longer used as much on the page. But I always thought there are thousands of languages in the world that would give anything to be being passed on to tens of thousands of children at a time. But now there's a Yiddish revival. Is that real or is it something that people are talking about that isn't happening. That's I love the way you put it. It's not being used much on the page where people go for information these days to no, newspapers No, that might, and that might touch upon it. But if it's yeah. only spoken, is it not alive? So there are Yiddish newspapers. I mean, Yiddish continues to be a contemporary language in the Hasidic community and only in the most closed off parts of the Hasidic community. So Satmar Hasidim do raise their children speaking Yiddish. Right. But there are Hasidic communities where the kids are much more comfortable in English. So, you know, the great comparison would be Amish. Like, do they still speak the old German, German, the right. old Amish German? I mean, yeah. are the kids speaking it better than English? I doubt that. Maybe in mm-hmm. some towns. Mm-hmm. I think the one that you, the revival you hear about is that university enrollment in Yiddish. That's what I meant. Is high. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. the Yiddish punk bands and like the klezmer movement. Um, right. It's sort of like a hipster thing. Right. That taking back Yiddish, taking back klezmer, taking back all these sorts of like old world right. identities. Sure. And I think and, there's a there's a political angle to it. Like everything in life. I think this is a really comfortable way for a lot of younger Jews who don't necessarily feel comfortable with the religion and certainly don't feel comfortable with Israel to reclaim Jewish identity by saying, okay, we're reaching back 150 years. Look at us. We're very engaged with our heritage, but we're doing it through this cosmopolitan, international, you know, universalist, socialist, pacifist, uh, pacifist, past. Right. 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 That's interesting. I want to play a clip while we're on this subject of the old conception of the Jewishness of one's parents being about Yiddish or a Yiddish accent. It's harder to hear this now, but this is from the ancient radio show, The Goldbergs, and it's now talked about more than actually heard. But this is Gertrude Berg, who actually did not have this old Yiddish accent, but did it well, doing a scene where she is shampooing her daughter's hair. They actually used shampoo and water in the studio when they did this in 19. 
1941. So here's an example of how a young Jewish woman would have spoken in 1941. And it's the grand old New York accent. It's not meant for comedy. This is somebody who now we would think of as about 90, but this is when she was young. And this is her mother doing her hair. And we hear that the mother is somebody who grew up with Yiddish and speaks English in a way that signals that. So here is Gertrude Berg and Rosalind Sibber, not Silber as it sometimes is in some sources, Rosalind Sibber. And they are doing the shampoo scene from the Goldbergs in 1941. Rosalie, so come quickly, darling. The water's standing. Come, baby. And, and bring the soap in a big towel, please. I don't know why that couldn't wait, Mom. Well, why should it wait, darling? Why should it wait? Now I have a minute, so, so come, let me shampoo you. Come, dear. I can wash my own hair, Mom. All right, darling. Don't I know you can wash your own hair? Don't, don't I know that? But come, darling. One, two, three, and I'll be finished. So that is a little scene. I will not share with you how much of that radio show I have listened to because I'm crazy and I've seen all the surviving TV episodes. Very charming show. It's not engaged as much as it should be. Have any of you ever done the Goldbergs or is it just dead except in my house and one other person's? I've, I've watched. I had a great TV trivia book. I was a like a lot of I kids, those. a trivia obsessive, and I remember reading about the Goldbergs. But I did too when I, I was younger. Never, right. So I'm intrigued that the mother from the old country basically is played to sound like Jaja Gabor. <laughs> Darling. Darling. I mean like that, that that was bizarre. No, to me, I have you know, <laughs> my my grandparents on my father's side died when I was very young, but I had an aunt who lived until just last year and she had, it was not that strong, but that right. to me, I, I felt it hearing that. Sounds like, kind of just like. Just sort of this accent that, you know, you live in this country for your adult life and you still sort of retain it in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. I highly recommend going online and finding the Goldbergs TV episode where they do the whole cold nidre. It could actually be not a, a comedy. It was actually very touching at times. And I say that given no experience. That was that sweeps week special, right? <laughs> it was <laughs> their going to do for big ratings. They're very special. Nidre. Yeah. Episode. For they your consideration. Like 15 <laughs> minutes on it. Let me do a quick little, little quiz here. Liel, what is Josh Groban? What is Josh Groban? Yes. A, a mammal, uh, carbon-based life form. What is uh, his career? Uh, he's a singer in the 1812 and the comet of Sasha and Pierre. Was it the aspirated G, the, the hard G, singer? Yes, yes. Singer? Singer. Now, I'm going to make a fool of myself, but singer versus singer, because singer and finger do not rhyme precisely in the English of most Americans. If you say singer... You're in the minority as far as how that word is pronounced. In my experience, the only people I've ever heard who say singer are Northeastern urban Jewish people. Am I wrong? Is it the same people who say Florida? There would be an overlap <laughs> as opposed to this Florida. Is, is it the, par- the population of Florida that yeah. calls now, it what, Florida? <laughs> what's interesting is, you know, Zaliel's Israeli and didn't live here till you were yeah, what, 23. Israeli. And some oh, wow. words, and on okay. some words, to me, he's just he's, off. On some words, he's, he's British. Just, just but wrong. now, right. now I don't know what I say. Can you ask me the question? What? <laughs> I love that you play with Josh Groban. Could you? Right. Of all entertainers, of all, this I'm, is the one that I'm you, trying to think of somebody where you would Michael, think of the voice. Michael you know, Brulet. What's that guy's name? Buble. Buble. Adam Levine. What is? Adam what Levine. is? What is Alanis Morissette? Singer. You did it. Singer. He, he interrupted me, so you couldn't so even now, hear me do all right, it. Try me. Marky, what was Ethel Merman? Ethel Merman was a singer. 
Singer. Okay. So you just said singer. You didn't say singer. Because no. he's from, like, he has this, like, I grew up in Western Massachusetts. Plus, look at him. Okay, so everything <laughs> about him is waspy. So <laughs> he just stepped out okay. of an L.L. Bean ad. Johnny <laughs> Lacoste shirt, Leo Leibowitz. So, hey. so the, uh, <laughs> can I throw one at you? How do you say the word that in French is parce que? How do you say it in English? Because. So my father-in-law, being a Jew from the Lower East Side, born 1930-something, but this is not just Jewish. This is New York. This is because. 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 Yeah. yeah. Now, because I'm going to take the uptown bus, I'm going to because. Does that sound familiar to you too? Yeah. Because. No. Uh-huh. A little bit to me. Okay. It's a soft ass. Yeah. But you'll hear, I hear it in my own life from some elderly Jews, but I, I realized I hear it from older New Yorkers. It's like for that, older New Yorkers, A-W is R. Like my mother-in-law who grew up on Long Island would say, I saw. Yeah. That's an American thing that overlaps with Jewishness, but it's definitely, it's definitely there. I had never heard the Florida until we were talking about in the office at Tablet one day and somebody said Florida. It's like orange. Orange. Yeah. Or horrible. Yeah. I say all those words that way. I went, got to college and all my friends were like, what? You talk so weird. And I was like, is it the Long Island accent? They're like, no, it's these words that you're saying. It's because they say horrible. Yeah. I say horrible. Over yeah. your Long Island Someone accent. did once tell me they couldn't hear me over my Long Island accent. <laughs> person sucks. She's, but that yeah, also, she's the one. That also gets to the fact that a lot of times what people are hearing with certain things they read as Jewish is they're hearing urban. Or Northeastern or Northeastern. And urban. I think that I don't know how that relates to, say, Irish and Italian American New Yorkers. I mean, if you give me a Boston accent, I, I read Irish because I grew up in Massachusetts. Right. So that's right. you say, what do Irish Americans sound like? The, the urban accent I hear is Boston. That cab but here, but here Mark, is where we have the words. So in, in Tablet, we used to have this project of words and expressions that only Jews would use. Mm-hmm. We One called of them, it the gallivanting the spatula. The gallivanting spatula, two words that yeah. only Jews would say. This was actually before I joined the staff. So I didn't <laughs> know about the expression <laughs> that I'm 100% sure only Jews use. 100%. 100%. 100%. Give me an example of its usage. Did you like Wonder Woman, the movie? Oh, 100%. That's Jewish. Profound. I've been obsessed with this for a while. I didn't hear it till I, as a journalist, interviewed some Orthodox people. It is ubiquitous in uh, everywhere from modern Orthodoxy all the way to ultra-Orthodox. Are these the people Hasidic. who click their tongue? Like that like that thing that I've heard yeah. about? Yeah, but that? even us, I, I feel don't even like. know about oh, that 100%. one. I've see, heard it at Columbia a little oh, yeah. bit with Orthodox We have colleagues Jewish at Tablet. Who, we, our most Orthodox colleagues will sometimes... Mark, demonstrate it so I don't get accused of stereotyping. Uh, ask me a question. <laughs> have you seen the Wonder Woman movie? And what did you think after all of this coverage? So let me let me say because, okay I know it I know right, it I know it so, so because I love seventies hero movies it's not that I love Wonder Woman it's that it's that I had to a see regular Alvy Singer over this here. is Woody <laughs> Allen that's right that's the thing I think we go too far towards like the Woody Allen the oi, yeah, I gotta I go I'm schlepping to the store like I don't think that's so real anymore I think it's almost this young Jewish actors and actresses sort of do it. Like, I think there's sort of a, right. a very affected thing that's going on where people say schlep. Can I tell people you? People say shtup. N- like, no. Oh, shtup is fabulous. You can't curse on the show, right? I no, curse all the time. No word yeah. makes me more furious than when people say, oi. Just like as a sort of affectation, like, oi. Yeah, I hate I've oi. heard many oh, Jewish geez. people say oi affectively, though. Nope. You don't like that. That's that's Jew because you think it's Jew. You think it's Jewish. Drag. That's Jew face. <laughs> Why? Basically. Why that one? Thing? Because that would be something that someone who has precisely zero Jewish or not, right? That's precisely zero connection to the actual faith, the culture, or anything else would just say as an easy way to telegraph. So look at me, I'm being a. You know, this is what all the mail about this episode is. Hey, Leo, be. Oh, let me ask wow. you something. Let me ask you something though. So. Is it just when people perform it like, oy, or oy vey, or is it? No, because I can see, print. I think I know people. Anthony who would Weiner. Say, 
Oy vey. Well, certainly. Well, yeah, that's like nope. the New York Post nope, front nope, page. Nope, nope. As a New York Post, like, but don't you some? Couldn't you imagine you or people you know in the Jewish community? Sometimes you know you you an editor sends back a draft all marked up, and you say, "Oh, I, I didn't want to work this weekend." Even just that. No, you say something like, what is this for Stuckener? You, know, you, you go deeper. No, I you think go real. I have to say, I get what you're saying, like the sort of campy, oi, like I, I don't like that. But I do think that there is no replacement for it. You know, if someone sends me a text, you know, like was coming to meet you, but then just like got tied up. It's like you're sort of like, oi, or like there's a way in which that telegraphs sympathy and understanding and empathy. Warm, a little warm. Yes. And as opposed to, ugh. Like that's the other one I have. Ugh. Like my, ta- I'm thinking about responses I have to text have, messages. Don't we have emojis for that now? No, I just think oi. Like I get it. Oi says I understand exactly what you've just said, and I know how annoying it is to you. Hey J Crew, it is time for some pod biz tonight, May 16th. I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Browse and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern, and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Char Bar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash UO member and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. You guys, I want to transition to another topic because I want to make sure we get this in. I have a book. You're you about to segue? Called, I am segueing right, right now right. As, as I'm doing it. All right. Jewish as a second language. And there is a wonderful passage. By now, you've had at least 20 odd years in which to finish your sentences. This is somebody who's about to marry into a Jewish family. This is enough for anybody. We hope you enjoyed the luxury while you had it because you will never finish one again, nor would you want to. The more interruptions, the more enthusiastic the conversation. Three or four people talking at once is ideal. This is your signal of acceptance. If no one jumps in to join the fun, it means that what you're saying is boring. Here is an example of that from none other than Annie Hall. I know that you've all been waiting for us to do a clip from that. And here's a clip of what's been called overlapping conversation among New York Jewish people. In actually academic literature, remember I touched on this in my conversation not long ago with Deborah Tannen. Anyway, here is the clip. Who needs this business? His wife has diabetes. Diabetes? Is that an excuse, diabetes? Let me tell you. A man is 50 years old and doesn't have a substantial job. Is that a reason to Oh, yes, that's right. What are you talking about? You know what you're talking about? Sure, defend him. Oh, you remember her. We're in 4-H. Mo Moscow. He had a coronary. You don't 
John, we had you on our show in in November, December, and mm-hmm. I remember we just interrupted you the entire time, and you actually, you know, you knew what was happening, right? Because you have this mind. breadth of understanding. And there's one point I re-listened to it. Both of my co-hosts interrupted me, and I kept going. I persisted. Good. Nevertheless, you persisted. <laughs> you apologized to me because you said, "Oh, sorry, Stephanie, I interrupted you," and I was so taken aback to hear someone acknowledge that they had interrupted me. I want you to know that wasn't pretentiously self-conscious. It's because. If you happen to be a linguist, you're very aware of the literature about interrupting, which I think is becoming a meme now in general in a way that it was not five years ago, but that men constantly interrupt women. So I do I do think about it and I'm not in- accusing you to have not thinking about it, but that's they where don't. that. Yeah, we don't. That, you can accuse us of that. Would, that would yeah. come from. It's our toxic masculinity. But to be honest, that. and this is like a personal thing, I'm on a show with two like very assertive j- assertive i don't know why i said that like that jewish men right (laughs) men and it took me a long time to feel like i could hold my own in conversation i don't know what that was i don't know what kind of gender dynamics i don't know what kind of just personal dynamics but now i interrupt just as much as they do and it it carries over into my regular life like i'm now an interrupter i think that's better it should be said it should be said you're engaged to a fairly quiet gentleman he is quiet but yeah i guess ben is not an interrupter to his credit, no. to his great credit. No. He's a listener. But you feel this I think is the next gendered. therapy session. Right? I think it's and it is gendered. gendered but it it's funny gendered. that once we have, a, I guess, a non-Jew in that environment, we are basically the same person, right? Like we are all <laughs> interrupt. We're like a wall of interruption. So do all three of you recognize this business of this interruption as part of I mean, let, Jewish culture? So let me say this. I'm, I think, genetically as well as culturally an interrupter. I mean, I'm, I'm the worst of the worst of the worst, right? My dad's not an interrupter. My siblings are not big interrupters. My mm. mom and I basically did all the talking in our family out of the six right. of us. And and there were four people who were really, really thoughtful about listening and, you know, very much to their credit. So for me, I'm not going to say it's cultural. What I will say is that as someone who is predisposed to talk a lot and interrupt a lot, it is often in Jewish context where that's not read as hostile and aggressive. It might be read as a little much, but there's no kind of moral or ethical valence to it. Whereas I have been in contexts where that is really Hostile. And this gets politicized in other ways, too. Like, I do interrupt men every bit as much as I interrupt women. Are right? you sure? I really think – I mean, I interrupt everyone maximally. I so, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think he's not – yeah, he's not – it's not gendered for him. No. Okay. I think women perhaps pick up on being interrupted in a way that it might roll off a man. But – yeah, I mean, it's crazy. We interrupt a lot. Our editor has actually like given us notes saying, you guys have to stop interrupting each other so wow. much. It's hard for me to edit because if you land a really good joke and someone interrupts you, I can't get that. You can't transcribe. So, it, yeah, it's funny. And the other thing is, so my fiance, Ben, listens to podcasts on like 1.5 speed. It gives me schmilkes, right? Like it makes my heart <laughs> race. But he says, I can't do that with your podcast because you guys talk so fast. We're already so odd three speed. Quickly and you're over each other. Yeah. Oh, that's then you compare this to someone like your boss and mine at Panoply, Andy Bowers, yeah. who literally won't speak until you're completely done. Yeah. And yeah. I had lunch with him the other the day. The are so funny. And, you know, and he is he is a wasp from the West Coast where they already are slowed down and you know, yeah. happy to let you Stereotypically, but yes. And <laughs> exactly. I mean, Andy, who's such a thoughtful and witty and interesting guy to talk to. But I'm aware of the different. I mean, he is at the opposite tempo. From. I've had to learn how to interrupt. I'm not a natural interrupter. And I've noticed that in some conversations and Mark, I don't mean just with you, that you have to learn to break in because Real conversation for many people does not happen the way it's written in scripts for plays. But yeah, it's an acquired skill at times. Now that we're talking about Jewish speech, can you please imitate Gal Gadot, who's in the current Wonder Woman movie, which I intend to see? I will never make fun of our beloved national heroine, Gal Gadot. (laughs) But I will say that watching that movie uh, at times was a very funny and somewhat distracting experience because here's Wonder Woman, right? 
<laughs> about to go into battle and she's like eh, don't worry I will save you and I just felt so happy you felt like you were finally represented like, here hold my falafel I will go into battle now for you like, so oh, you're like right. am I watching don't mess with the Zohan or what I, hear, is that? I hear my uncle David it's yeah. like 87 year old uncle David is like eh. but listen there were all these American actresses in the movie playing like her mother and her it's like Connie Britton and uh, Robin, Connie Robin Wright Nielsen right. Connie Britton is in it no oh no, I've got Connie Nil- Nielsen oh it's not Connie Britton what am I, I, don't, I, I only know she Robin would be Wright. a little too yeah. old and right and and um, Robin Wright yeah and Robin writes like, eh, Diana, <laughs> you mustn't go into battle with a man. It's, it's so great. Well, I feel like it's all those movies that take place in a time you don't understand. Like they all speak with this sort of like British inflection. And That's you're right. like, That's even somehow the universal. Yeah. Accent. Like it's like a, a movie about Rome and everyone has a British accent. We can't like, go there. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? But it's like the Israeli the, the version new, of new that. The new accent is the Israeli accent. It's like accent. the Mediterranean <laughs> version. You'll see. There would be like, you know, Masterpiece Theater to be like Downton Abbey. He's like. Uh, where are the uh, servants to bring the tea? <laughs> Very late now. Be amazing. Um, <laughs> with that, I have to bring us to a close. Thank you very much, Mark and Stephanie and Liel, for hey, coming onto my show in my space. Just interrupted you. Sorry. Saying <laughs> on your show. On your show. <laughs> hey, doing Mark. your outro. Jews. I was, I was just going to say, like, if people thought we were a huge asset to your show, where could they hear our show? <laughs> they're going to hear Unorthodox. So Unorthodox is another podcast, and it's better than this one. It's been running for how long? Almost a hundred. Epi- almost a hundred episodes. That's boy. I'll never get that far. Almost a hundred. Two hundred and twenty. And so you can hear that at well iTunes uh, or Panoply.fm. For example, yeah, yeah, we're both on Panoply. Yeah, and so Whatever podcasts highly... are sold or distributed for free. I think they're going to do the double pan- Panoply Panoply after this. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend that. And um, you know, folks, many of you have been asking me to do an episode about. Well, there are two things that people want. You want one on the verb to be, and you want one on contractions. And I've been thinking about the contractions, and I think what you really want is for me to say that people did used to use them. But beyond that, I'm not sure if I can get a half hour out of that. But on to be, that is almost certainly going to be the next episode, and I'm going to do one of my solos. And then after that, folks, I'm almost sure that I have a very, very special guest. I mean, if you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, this one is going to be the biggest episode of all because I'm going to have a big, big guest. But more about that in the future. You can reach us at Lexicon Valley at slate.com. And to listen to past shows and subscribe or just to reach out, go to slate.com slash Lexicon Valley. This show is produced by Mike Volo, as always. And the host is me, John Porter. I love you. A knadle and a knish. A knadle and a knish. And a knipple and a kish. A knipple and a kish. And a nickel halleva. A nickel halleva. And a lovely matzo bra. How about you? I'll go I'll cook you fancy dishes. So please don't be facetious. I love you. A home and tash with moon. You bet your pretty punam I do. Oh, darling, you know, after all this singing, I'm so tired and feisty. You want to go have this on a moment? Ooh, ah!